Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog I'm Patrick Medivy, host of Item, and today I sit down with Joe Cortez. Joe Cortez is a Hall of Fame referee in the world of boxing. He's refereed Tyson fights, Holyfield fights, De La Hoya fights, a bunch of different fights. And uh, I asked him a question. I said, is this boxing stuff real? Are we getting too shady? Because I don't trust some of these decisions that they're making, whether it was Triple G fight versus De La Hoya or some of the other things. You're going to be surprised by some of the comments he made about that as well as UFC versus boxing. Joe? Thank you. Thank you. Thank pleasure. you for making the time to come down to Dallas here with us. It's always a pleasure. Yes, it's good to have you here. So I got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. The future of boxing. I'm kind of seeing right now Oscar De La Hoya is almost becoming the voice of boxing. He's almost becoming a Dana White of boxing because there's no Don King today. Don King on the boxing side is De La Hoya. So I'm curious to know what you think about the future of boxing versus MMA and then some of the other stuff. I'm just curious. I had my guy who uh, cuts my hair, Michael Rapatoni. He's from Philadelphia. He was a boxer before. He's the guy that cuts my hair. He cuts your hair too? Yeah, yeah. same guy. Huh? Yeah. So he cuts my hair. I said, Michael, I'm sitting with Joey Cortez. What questions would you want to ask? He said, Pat, the first question, who's the dirtiest fighter he ever saw fight? So I'm going to open it up with that. Who was the dirtiest fighter you ever saw fight? Well, I refereed a fight with John Ruiz against Kirk Johnson. And Kirk Johnson kept hitting low blows. I kept telling him, warning him several times. I had to start taking action. I started taking points. I took a point early part of the fight. I took another point in the second part of the fight. And he kept hitting low, and I kept going into the corner and said, listen, one more low blow, you're going to be disqualified. It was a, a nasty fight, yeah. and I ended up disqualifying Kirk Johnson for the heavyweight championship of the world, which is something you don't want to see in boxing because people pay money to see a good match. And when you have to disqualify a fighter, that's that's really bad. Not only for for the fighters, but fans. For, for the fans, really, it leaves a bad taste. But was he a dirty fighter, or was it just that day when he was fighting? Well, I would say it was probably that day. Okay. He, I think he was getting beat up and he was looking for a way out. Got he it. figured, I'm going to let the referee get me out of here and disqualify me. Your story is a great story because you started off as a boxer yourself, Golden Gloves, I think, 60 in 1962, and then you turned pro at 1863. You were 10 and 1 in your career with a lot of fights uh, that you had. And then one day you decided to be a referee. How did that happen? How did you one day say, I just want to go out there and be a referee? After I had gotten married, I went to uh, Puerto Rico mm -hmm. four years after I got married. I started working at El Conquistador Hotel. And I was working at the hotel. I worked my way up the ranks, and eventually I became assistant manager at the hotel. This gentleman by the name of Pat Mascher, who was a policeman in New York, who was also a referee in the amateurs, who happened to referee my fights when I won the Golden Globe Championships, along with my brother Mike in Madison Square Garden. He was a guest at the hotel. He ran into me, and he's when I planted the seed when I moved back to New York in 76, the end of 76. I gave him a call. He said, Pat, I'm here in New York. Maybe go out for lunch. He said, I want to talk to you. He said, I want you to become a referee in the amateurs. So he planted the seed, and that's how it all started. I refereed the amateurs, the Police Athletic League. They had the Golden Gloves. Six months later, I get called from the New York State Athletic Commission, a gentleman by the name of Frank Morris, Deputy Commissioner. And he said, Joe, I want you to turn pro. I've already been doing this for six months. He says, I know, but we want to work wow. with you and get you rolling. Normally, you have to referee three to five years in the amateurs before you even consider going pro. They saw I had some, some talent, and they, they worked with me. And five years later, I'm doing my first world championship fight. Aaron Pryor against Miguel Montilla. Unbelievable. That quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I was on my way to you know, becoming a household name and very honored that I got to make it to do the major fights. So let me ask you, were you when you refereed Mike Tyson, uh, was that before? No, that was after, right? You were already a pro yeah. referee when you refereed. Because Mike was, fi was he 15, the fight that you refereed? The uh, Olympic fight? The, the no, no, I never refereed uh, Tyson until... You were the third referee on that match. No, well, until he, when he turned pro, that's when I started refereeing Mike Tyson. So you have been in the ring with Mike? As a referee, nine times. Nine times? Yes. How was that, watching him? Well, you know, <clears throat> you know, he's, he was a, he's an animal in there. I mean, he's a devastating puncher. We either had, he had the speed for heavyweight. He had unbelievable speed and tremendous power with his punches. And every time he hit these guys with a punch, you know, they were very, very hard blows. And, and I always knew, I said to myself, these guys get caught with one of these punches, they're going to go. And most of them did go down with the exception of James Quick Tillis was the first fighter after 15 straight knockouts that Mike Tyson had. I refereed a 15th fight. He won a decision, but he had some difficulties. And I, thought, I said to myself then, that Mike Tyson gonna have some problems with tall, good, skillful boxers from the outside. 
And that's what happened when he fought Douglas. Buster Douglas. Wow. He had difficulties with him. And you saw that coming? I, see, I saw it coming from when he was starting out. Who you saw witness yourself, because you, who, who have you seen fight? I mean, you've seen a lot of people. Heavyweights, you've seen Foreman. Well, you've I, seen everybody. I refereed Foreman four times. Okay. Lennox Lewis about three times. Riddick Bow. Riddick Bow, Holyfield. Yep. I mean, I've refereed most of the heavyweights in the last, you know, 30 years. And you also saw Canelo with Chavez, Julio Cesar Chavez. Julio with, uh, Chavez with uh, Oscar De La Hoya. That was a big one back in 95. Who did you see that you said, hands down, hardest puncher? Was it Tyson that you would say? He's, he's one of them, yes. Is there one that you would say hardest ever that you saw personally yourself? Yeah. Because you're right there. Yeah, would would Tyson, you put him at the top? He was on the top, but then as a, as a lighter fighter, I got onto Julian Jackson, who was a middleweight. Wow. He, he knocked out uh, 48 of 56 of his opponents. So he was a good heavy puncher as a middleweight. How do you, are you entertained by the fight yourself? Like, are you entertained by boxing yourself or no? No, no. When you're okay. working, got you're it. working as yeah. a job. So you don't get to really enjoy it. You know, you have to, yes, do your job. First and foremost, it's the safety of the fighters. And the second of all is enforcing the rules. So, and I, at the first 10 years of my career as a referee, I was a scoring official. They had two judges and the referee was the third judge as well. So I, I had, you know, I had to judge, a referee, uh, the fight, watch out for the safety of the fighters. So it was, you know, multitask, but some referees cannot do all correctly, 100%. Sure. So there were some fighters that were getting hurt, like when Boo Boo Mancini killed uh, Duke Hu Kim. Mm -hmm. Then they changed from 15 rounds to 12 rounds. Then they took the scoring away from the referee so the referee could focus more on the safety of the fighters. You fighter. think that's a good decision they made? I thought it was a good decision okay. because it was to help the fighters make sure that they didn't receive unnecessary punishment. So how do you mentally get yourself in a state to not be in the fight where you want? Like, it's just purely rules. How do you do that? Well, you have to think like an official. You can't think like a fan. It's a, it's a big difference. It's like a doctor. Doctors, you know, they go into into surgery. They they, they got to be focusing only on one patient and only on what yeah, they're you doing. you got to have somebody you like more than the other guy. Like, is it, you know, like, if your favorite fighters of all time. Could you say your favorite fighters of all time? No. Now, now, now when you're an active referee, I try, I try to stay away from that because you have to, it's like a fine line. Like, you, you have to be cold almost to do yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Emotionless. Exactly. You have to be because uh, you have to uh, be fair with the fighters. You can't, when the bell starts, they got to have even playing field. They got to take off together. So you have to kind of like... Don't pick sides where you go. You could do Oscar De La Hoya against Joe Paluca. You can't favor Oscar De La Hoya because he's a favorite name. I look at fighter A, fighter B. When they take off that belt, they give it. They turn that belt over to the official in the ring. They give it to the commission. That means that the judges should be looking at fighter A and B, not looking at the champion. In so there. it's purely on the professional uh, standpoint. So yeah. who, as your refereeing, you seen? So you said hardest puncher. You said Tyson, and then uh, middleweight. Uh, you said someone else. Julian okay. Jackson. So now, who was the fastest? You watch who like right in front of you watching these guys fight who was the quickest you know footwork hands well Sugar Ray Leonard was one that had a lot of footwork Hector Macho Camacho was another mm -hmm. he was also entertaining yeah 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 very charismatic individuals in the ring they can move around pretty good they had great speed there's a fighter now that I'm helping out I'm a consultant with them uh, Devin Haney who's fighting uh, next Friday on Showtime at the main event he's the kind of fighter that you can't hardly hit him he has a 19-0 record and uh, with 14 knockouts Devin Haney similar uh, to Mayweather like Mayweather and his father happens to be that his father's training this kid too Mayweather's father's training he's this training kid. Devin so he's Haney in he's yeah. in Vegas he's in Vegas yeah, okay. he, yeah and he's from uh, Oakland California interesting and uh, he's, a, he's a great fighter believe me I say that this kid's gonna go places in boxing he's you one, think so he's he can't hardly touch him. He has good ring mechanics. He has good reflexes, timing. He can punch. He's all around. This kid has it all. Even Mayweather said it. That's the next rising star in boxing. So today, if you are gone, you're, you're retired. Your last fight was Canelo versus Rosalito, uh, right? Rosalito Lopez. And then you retired back in 2012 when you retired. So right. today, you've been away from it. When you go back and you have history, you've been in this industry for a long time, four decades, five, de exactly. five decades, right? Exactly. So what? who do you say now, like, this? this is my favorite fighter of all time, or these are the greatest fighters of all time. Do you have that now? Yes, I look back now, I say Muhammad Ali was one, I never refereed, he was one of them. Roberto Duran. Oh, you put Duran on that yeah. list? Oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody in boxing knows that Roberto Duran is one of the greatest of all times as a lightweight. And uh, you have uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, was a great one. Oscar De La Hoya was an outstanding fighter. Manny Pacquiao, who I refereed about four times, he's another outstanding fighter. I mean, Mike Tyson, absolutely, he's in that mix as well. Would you put Mayweather in that list as a top five? Yeah, yeah, uh, of yeah. All time? I would, I, he has proven himself. Uh, you know, won so many championships, held the titles for over 19 year, consecutive years. What fighter has done that? None. So for his weight class, would you say he's the greatest of all time for his weight class since he's never been beaten? No, I would not say the greatest. Really? No, no. Tell me why, though. Because I felt like Sugar Ray Robinson was the greatest yeah. at 147, then he went to middleweight, but there's been other fighters that have been outstanding 
I mean, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, if you compare both him and, and Mayweather, I would say that Sugar Ray Leonard had more ability, more ring mechanics, and he had so many more different techniques in the ring than Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather was a good fighter, excellent, good defense. Uh, he was a fighter that hit and didn't get hit. But you watch the Sugar Ray Leonard's fights with with Hearns and with Marvin Hagler. Until I mean, today, you can watch them on YouTube and yeah, it's yeah, entertaining. Yeah. yeah, very entertaining fights. Yeah. So, by the way, didn't you, uh, you refereed also the, the controversial fight, right? The knockout with uh, Mayweather and... Victor uh, Ortiz. Ortiz, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where at the end, your Ortiz headbutt, you know, headbutted, and then came back. What happened there? Well, what happened there was uh, Ortiz headbutted uh, Mayweather intentionally. So I took a point as I took he a point. He said he didn't do it intentionally, but he when you look at the camera, you, know, you can yeah. see it was intentional. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, he did, he tried to do something earlier in the fight, and I warned him about it. But this time, he cut Mayweather, so I had to stop it, give him the warning that I took a point, mm -hmm. and then he hugged Mayweather once. And kissed him on the cheek, and then he hugged him again the second time. And as I looked at the timekeeper to make sure he saw me when I gave the signal, the time was in. Yeah. As I looked at the timekeeper, because Mayweather was blocking me, so when I looked at the timekeeper, uh, he went like this. And next thing I know, Mayweather Ortiz went to hug him again the third time, and Mayweather just clocked him because I already called time in. We tell fighters protect yourselves at all time, and that's just what happened. He dropped his guards, and Mayweather took advantage of it. Uh, Larry Merchant said it best. It was a legal sucker punch. <laughs> I love that legal sucker punch. Yeah. I remember watching a fight. I was I was watching the fight yeah. live, and I'm saying, wait a minute, what just happened here, right? Right. But even after the first left he took, he's still looking at you. Yeah. At yeah. least after the left, have yeah. some reflexes to move. I don't know why well, he didn't move. I didn't understand well, well, that. He part. looked at me like I said, Joe, man, he hit me with a punch, and they came to the right hand and knocked him out. But you know what? When time is in, you don't you don't be hugging and kissing the guy the third time. Yeah, I didn't understand. What I didn't understand. <laughs> Is a following. I don't think if, if the one that was a sucker punch was a first punch, not yeah. the second punch, because yeah. the first punch came in and then Mayweather didn't go boom boom. Mayweather hit the left and then he backed up and Ortiz is looking at you. Then he hit the second. I'm like, at least put your arm, you know, hands up, protect yeah. yourself. Well, he was in a but, uh, he goes to the concussive episode at that moment when he got hit with that left foot. He was ready. Not, yeah, not I, didn't, I didn't understand. He was there, but not there. And by the way, Victor Ortiz did tell me afterwards, and we had lunch together, dinner together many times yeah. after that. He said, Joe, my corner told me to headbutt Mayweather intentionally. He said, I never done that. That's not my style, but they wanted me to do that to, to stop the momentum. And he says, I got rid of the whole team. I'm no longer with him. He said, I apologize for what happened that night. Historically, was he known as being dirty or no? No, no never. He wasn't being no, known no, for no, dirty. No, yeah, no, I, no, I don't he, remember anything he, dirty yeah, about the guy. No, no. Yeah, that was kind of weird when you saw that. You yeah. know, what fight is he fighting that mm -hmm. day? Go back to Chavez, I mean, when you hear people talk about Chavez mm -hmm. as a boxer, it's a whole different conversation. The amount of fights he had, I don't know how many people during his era fought as much as he fought. He was fighting every two, three months. He was not turning down any fights. What made him so special? Well, there's only one who says that Chavez. He definitely is one of the great ones in the history of boxing. He had good uh, ring mechanics, a good puncher, could take a good punch. He had great defense as well. He was just one of those special guys that knew how to work the body, work the head. He figures you kill the body, the head dies. You know, he had a good devastating left hook to the, to the liver, which is what, one of his uh, trademark punches. And he, he was definitely an outstanding fighter. He just seems to have it all. You look at certain sports, you, you find certain sports athletes that have uh, something different than anybody else. And what's so different about him is he had it all. He had it all. Yeah. And then Durant, because I know a lot of times when you hear Tyson talk about boxers, he always goes back to Durant. Yeah. So he's always like giving so much love and credit to Durant and Ali, always. But what made him so special? The boxing skills that he had, I mean, he, 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 he almost came out unmarked in all fights, for the exception of the one I refereed with him in Oscar De La Hoya, the first time when he got cut with a, a hard jab in is the first Is this Durant round. or is this... Uh, no, I'm talking about Chavez. Oh, uh, Durant. I'm talking Durant. Okay, yeah, I'm talking Durant. Durant is yeah. so outstanding because he had a killer instinct. He had a look in his eyes. He was always focused and always know how to cut corners, cut you down, how to work combination. He was great counter puncher, good body puncher, mm -hmm. good head puncher. I mean, he had all the, the footwork that he had was unbelievable. His speed he had for lightweight, he was lightweight, welterweight, super welterweight, and middleweight champion. He won division. That's four. insane. Exactly. And I remember refereeing his last title fight that he won against Iran Barkley in 89, of which I think was one of the best fights I've ever refereed. That's my 27th world title fight, Roberto Durant, Iran Barkley. Barkley lost his middleweight title against supposedly a washed up fighter 
Durant came back that night like he was a young fighter and took the middleweight championship. You know, post the Leonard, uh, the, the fight that we had, the Sugar Ray Leonard, I think he got the $10 million purse. It was a number like uh, around the $10 million. And he came back to Panama. I've been to his restaurant when I went to Panama. You know, him and his wife are all, always there themselves. Right. He's always dancing with his wife. But when you go there, when you go back to that era, if he didn't lose his discipline and stayed strong and didn't put on the weight, how long do you think he could have gone? He could have gone at least another five more years. He was he's party a lot. He started doing drugs yeah. and drinking, and they have the world by their fingers. He could have gone at least another guy five more years because he was a, always in great shape at the first part of his career. The second part, he started fading when he did that no mass fight mm -hmm. against Sugar Ray Leonard. People said, "What the hell happened there? You never see it like a fighter just walk away." in the middle of a, of a round without taking a punch. He just got disgusted and just couldn't hit, couldn't deal with Sugar Ray Leonard's tactics yeah. and uh, disrespect. He just said, you know what, I'm out of here. And that was in the no-mas fight. You think that hurt his legacy or do you think the boxing, uh, uh, people who know the world of boxing still put him as one of the great ones? Well, I think it tarnished his, his career to some extent okay. because people always remember that one. Yeah, the I mean, no they made movies about it, yeah, documentaries exactly. about it, exactly. all this stuff about him. Yeah, but he was definitely, one, he still goes out as one of the greatest in the lightweight division. How much, like, you know, a lot of time people ask me questions about entrepreneurship and business, and they say, oh, my gosh, look at this guy, you know. And I've been in the world of sales for a while, and I saw a lot of guys come and go, and I would see a guy, I'm like, this girl's going to kill it. She's so amazing, tenacious. Look at him. He's so amazing at the way he talks and communicates. But then there was bad habits that they had on the side. How often you saw guys coming up where you said, this guy could be a future Hall of Famer. He could be one of the best ones that we've ever seen. And then they took a wrong route and made a mistake and then boom, tarnished their entire career. How often did you see that in your world? I saw it quite often. That's why with a big name like Mike Tyson was one of the great ones. He himself admits it in his show that he does the undisputed mm -hmm. truth a talk show that he does. It's a shame to see a fighter like him who had all the talent in the world. And he was just, uh, when he went to uh, Japan to fight Buster Douglas, he was hanging around with girls and doing drugs in Japan. He just going crazy and he loses the title and ever from that time on all the fighters said okay you know Mike Tyson exposed himself he could be taken and he was you know I mean I even his last fight that I refereed against Kevin McBride in DC I had to stop the fight Mike Tyson he was trying to knock this kid out but Mike Tyson wasn't was not in no condition to a guy that never, nobody even heard of Kevin McBride I had to stop the fight at the end of the sixth round Mike Tyson just couldn't deal with it. He was so fatigued. Not that he was taking a pounding, but he just couldn't deal with it no more. In his heydays, he would have knocked this guy out in one round or yeah. less. So do you think that's common in the world of boxing? Yes, a lot of fighters... Why do you think? They're uneducated. They're well, uneducated. Okay. They're, they're not trained properly. They're, they're not, you need a good leader, somebody, a good role model to keep you on the right track. Especially when you make it to the, to the top level in your career. You're, you're fighting the big names. You're coming out of poverty. You're living you know, almost in the streets, and you can, all, of, all of a sudden you get ten million dollars. Yeah, and these guys, like ten million dollars, they buy homes, the best cars in the world, everything. Before they know it, they're strapped out. They get bumped off with a fight, two fights. Down, they're not making the million dollar fights mm. anymore. Now they they lose their homes, like Mike Tyson lost homes because he had the money to pay for the taxes. They just don't know how to manage their monies. I think they need to be educated a little bit more when they start making this kind of money. I think that's m one of the reasons why they respect LeBron so much in the world of NBA because this is a guy that grew up without a father figure, didn't go to school. The argument with him and MJ, MJ went to Carolina, he had a Dean Smith, or Kobe had a father that played in the NBA, and uh, LeBron comes in without anything, and he stays so disciplined, all this money being given to him. Uh, and you see that uh, in all sports, but in boxing especially, I was just curious to know what you thought about it. Let me ask you, historically, when you think about boxing, what, if you were to say these five events or characters helped the world of boxing, who would you say they would be? Hypothetically, like the movie Rocky, did that help the franchise of boxing? If you were to say a few names, a handful of names, who would you say those names would be? I have to say Sugar Ray Leonard was one of them because when he became Olympic champion, I mean, he was a household name. Oscar De La Hoya, another Olympic champion. What did they do? They changed the game? They inspired other yeah, genera future yeah, generations? Yeah, they inspired. I mean, they brought great talent to the sport. Even a Roberto Duran, I mean, he came out of nowhere from poverty, became one of the best fighters out there. I mean, these guys will sell out arenas I mean, they were really outstanding fighters. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, I refereed him against Greg Haugen in Mexico City. Azteca Stadium, 136,000 fans showed up the largest crowd in boxing history. People say, how did this one individual, how did he, how did he mm. was able to sell out a stadium like that? What was so special about him? There's fighters out there, a handful of them that really turned boxing around. And of course, Floyd Mayweather is one of them as well. I mean, he's the first athlete to ever make a billion dollars in, in the sport. 
of boxing or any sports. So there's a handful of good fighters that make it turn the whole boxing around. Mike Tyson was one also. He would sell out any arena because of his punching power. How much of it do you think is uh, promotional? How much of, the, of it do you think is abilities? You, showmanship is what you, I'm talking You got to have good showmanship, but you also got to have good promoters behind you, a good marketing team. The promoters are important because if they don't sell a fight right in advance, you have to you have to sell your fight, your show. If you want to be successful, you need a good marketing and promotion, promotional team behind you. You cannot do it by yourself. Even though Conor McGregor, when he fought Mayweather, he was pretty good showman himself. He promoted in a big way. In a yeah. big way, and I remember they called me to train him. I trained him for five weeks on the rules on boxing. So while he was sparring, I'd be in the ring with him and giving him instruction, making sure he did the right thing, so he would look halfway decent in the ring against. Floyd Mayweather, he lasted 10 rounds. You know, that's, that's another guy that was able to Showmanship. And so, of course, Muhammad uh, Ali, great, you know, he was a good talker. Talker, and, and he performed. And, and, and he, he came across. Uh, with uh, Conor, when you were uh, working with him for five weeks, which, by the way, bra brilliant move on his end for yeah. him to want to bring somebody like you so he can teach him what to do because he kept hitting uh, Mayweather in the back of the head every time he would hug. Well, I don't know if you yeah, caught that yeah, part yeah, when well, you were watching I caught him. that part, but that's one of the things I took points from him doing training. You to, were doing that to him in the Yeah, training. I would take points away. I said, you can't do this. You know, but when they're in the, in the heat of the battle, yeah. you know, they kind of forget. I told Robert Bird, the referee, before the fight, I said, make sure you watch out for the punches that he likes to hit behind the head. Oh, you said that. I told the referee, be careful, watch out for that because I've been training with him. I said, so try not. Interesting. Don't, don't take any nonsense from him when he starts pulling that. Yeah. If you got to take points, take points right, right away to take control. I thought he was going to kick. I, I thought I, I was going to expect a <laughs> kick to count. I'm yeah. like, if he kicks uh, Mayweather, something's going to happen. Yeah, well, he'd be disqualified, you know. Yeah, they'd be done. Yeah, they, 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 they were were, were you there when him and Polly were going at it, or yeah, no? Yeah, yes, what I happened? What really happened? It was more of a more of a push than anything else. It was a push, a punch, and a push at the same time. So I would have said no knockdown because it was not a real solid knockdown. So you wouldn't have no, because I know Polly confronted you after yeah, one of these. Yeah, like, how come I, you don't and, say and, something? Yeah, tell the truth. You didn't say anything. You kind of stayed neutral. I couldn't say nothing because uh, <clears throat> I signed a confidentiality agreement. Prior to at the, that time, yeah, prior I, could, to the fight. I, I couldn't talk. Did you ever talk to Paulie about it afterwards sure. or no? So he knows, like yeah, that yeah. wasn't. Yeah, you know. Come so, on. so let me ask you this: When you were watching them go at it, because Paulie's a he, he he's a pretty legitimate boxer. Himself. He was two-time world champion, yeah, but he but he came in there. He was not in a condition to be sparring. I mean, he was you can see he was flabby. He, he was not in a condition. No, to no, spar. no. He had flown in from New York overnight. Got it. The next afternoon, he's sparring with. with when with. they were sparring, did you think Mayweather could hang with him or no? I thought uh, not, not Mayweather. I'm sorry, Conor. McGregor. I, 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 at the them? beginning, no. At the end, I said, you know, I think he can he can hang with Mayweather for a couple of rounds. I was surprised that it went 10 rounds. So you were not expecting for it to go 10 rounds? I thought it would probably be stopped around the fifth or the sixth, but I knew that McGregor was dangerous enough to maybe hurt Mayweather in the first couple of rounds yes. because he had good punching power. And he was so awkward that he could catch Mayweather. He almost caught him with a good shot in, in the first early rounds. I mean, the judges... All three judges gave McGregor, I think, the first three or four rounds. Yeah, he got one left in, the uppercut he got in. Yeah. And, and then you saw Mayweather back up. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, he yeah, could get yeah, something yeah, yeah. in there. And, and that was a punch that I was saying. If he catches Mayweather with a surprise punch like that, he can put Mayweather down. You never know. Of course. I mean, and, he's and got so, some, Sometimes the punches you don't see coming are the ones that hurt you. That's right. And and that guy is that unorthodox. It's almost yeah. like when you play poker and you stay at, sit at a table. If you and I have been playing for 10 years, you know my style. I know your style. You're yeah. conservative. Say I'm always aggressive or I tilt faster but you know my style you can't tell when a new guy comes in because you don't know his style you don't yeah, have a lot of trends exactly. so Mayweather doesn't know how to fight against a guy yeah, like that yeah. do, do you think Conor's still going to have a career in boxing or no you think no. he's going to come back no, no. no. I don't, he may not even have a career in MMA anymore yeah, I mean, after, getting, after getting stopped with that guy Khabib and that Russian kid yeah. his last fight what do you think about the Khabib guy well I think he's dangerous he'll be around for a while can he come switch no, 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 he'll make a mistake like McGregor did. If he does. Yeah. But it, they it, think it, he it, could. It's it just like the other day in Japan when, May, oh, that was uh, when, May, when Mayweather fought that kickboxing undis undisputed champion and Mayweather put him away you in, think in the about first that? round. Well, you know, it was a joke. You know, it was, I mean, this kid uh, never boxed in his life and and Mayweather just still, I mean, even though Mayweather retired, but he still has the skills, you know, he still has a little spark of the old flash. Yeah, when I watch it, I'm like, you know, this almost looks like it's uh, they're doing a, a publicity stunt for a movie. It didn't make any sense to me when well, I Well, the I fans would say Mayweather, anything to sell, to give these guys Mayweather like $9 million to, for two and a half minutes. You know, to fight a guy that never fought in his life, I would, I would say, go ahead, I'll take him on too, you know. For that kind of money, of course. Mayweather bought a house in Vegas for, for $10 million last month. Guy paid him so, off. So this house 
It's paid for already. <laughs> this house is sponsored by Japan. Right. You know, so going back to the promotional side you were talking about, best promoters of all time. Obviously, let's just say Don King's on that list. But yeah. who else would you put on that list? Bar Aram, Oscar De La Hoya. Got it. Those are the three. Yeah. You would put De La Hoya on that list. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Would you put Dana White as a promoter as well? Would you put him in a category like that? But not a boxer. He's an MMA. He's not, but as a promoter in a those promoter, two MMA, yes. He's definitely the best. He would be in there. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a, a little bit about the comparisons of UFC and boxing. Do you think UFC at all will give a threat to boxing and hurt the boxing business? Absolutely not. Absolutely not? No. no. Tell me no, why. Because boxing is a sweet science of boxing. MMA is like schoolyard fighting. There's a big difference. I mean, this is boxing is boxing. When you see boxing, these guys, are, it's like a chess game. These guys are really thinking the game out real, real, real smart, a boxer does. And where so MMA guy, yeah, you can get guys, MMA, eight, nine fights, they're fighting for a championship. They're still a little green. You can't compare these guys with, with boxing. That's why MMA guys are going to boxing. They, they can't seem to make it because boxing, the fighters are so skilled, much more skilled, ring mechanics you know, defense and speed and that's a different kind of a training. If a new generation is great for them, the younger generation, 40% of the fans are females, MMA. And that's good. I mean, it's good for MMA because it's a new sport. It's just been around like 12, 13, 15 years or most. They're killing it. Boxing been there for over 100 years, you know? Yeah, but And boxing is still it. going strong. The best pay-per-views, so? the best pay-per-views in, in, in combat sports is boxing. So you don't think uh, uh, boxing is going to be like Sears and Sears goes out of business and Walmart puts them out? You don't no, think, no. You don't think it's going to be because Sears has been around for no, since no, 1868. No, no, so was HBO. HBO was around for 45 years. Yeah. They dropped down, but I don't think it's because of lack of competition or because of lack of interest. It's because financially they were not making the numbers. I think they rather invest their money into movies than rather than the sports. We have had some former mobsters on the uh, channel before, and we've yeah. interviewed them. Yeah. Sometimes uh, when I asked them, I said, so talk about gambling. And they would talk about, well, gambling in the 80s, it was very easy to go and fix games in basketball or college basketball because they needed money. But you'll also hear what they'll say about boxing. Back in the old days. Back in the old days. And so for me, I'll give you an idea for me. Like, I'll watch boxing matches sometimes, and I'll sit there and I'll say, there is no way in the world that guy won. No way. It's a draw. No way. Or he won on the scorecard 7-5. to five. How are they giving him 8-4? to four? Say the Triple G fight versus Canelo the first fight. I don't know if you yeah. remember that fight. Did you give that to Canelo? Did you give that fight as a draw to... No, I, did I, you give it to Triple G? No, I, I saw after watching it carefully, I gave it to Triple G by, by, by two rounds, 7-5. to five. So you know the referee that gave it like a lopsided... The, it was the, a judge. She, she, a judge. The judge. Yeah, the yeah. judge that... Sometimes for me, as a sport, as a fan, forget about being in the world. I'm not in the business. I'm not in the world. And I watch it, I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I mean, if I'm, a, if I'm a money guy, and if I'm a gambler, and if I'm in that world, and if I'm a mob guy, I'm a power guy, okay? And there's a lot... There's still people like that around. Money people still around. You know, if I say, you know, go to draw, hey, you know, judge, this is what we're going to do, some of this stuff. You know, the dirty side of boxing, you hear a lot of people talk about and it loses some people, and then you go to UFC, you're like, listen, someone's going to get knocked out. Here's what's going to happen with this. Someone's going to get knocked out, because this is like a fight, and it's very obvious. It's a lot easier to be able to tell who won and who didn't win, versus boxing. It's just because one judge goes out there and says this, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, what happened over here? How much do you think the integrity of the game is still there in boxing today? Well, you know, people get turned off to bad, controversial decisions. L.A. Bird happened to be one of the best judges in boxing. That's why she was used for so many world championship fights. Her husband, Robert Bird, is also a referee. He was in the Marines. He was a police, uh, a captain in the police in, in L.A. A very respectable uh, family. She had just had her off night. Then again, I was talking to one of your men last night, Mario. We were talking about positioning of the judges. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally disagree with the position of the judges today because of the angles where the fighters are, they're blocking, they're throwing punches. Sometimes you don't know if a punch landed or not. That's why they have judges of three different sides of the ring. They'll see different different punches that are being landed where these two judges saw the punch, that judge didn't see it, the fighters go another way. It's the angles, they miss it. Up until uh, recently, I, I did a study and I changed position of the judges. I put three on top, higher and high ladders, and three on the bottom, just to see, and I got into the ring, the ring with two fighters. And I gave him clickers. I said, I want you to click when the punch is thrown and you don't when know. When did you do this? How recent was this? Oh, this is about four years ago. 
And I, and I did the study and it proved that uh, for the top, the most they would miss per round per judge was one to two punches per round. They would miss on the top. Well, on the bottom, I would ask the judges, how many punches did you miss? Anywhere from nine to 19 punches per round per judge. So then I would change the judges from the ones downstairs, I'd move them upstairs. For four rounds, we did this and it was the same result every round. The most upstairs they would miss was two punches. On the bottom, always nine to 19 punches per round. So I said, we gotta change the position of the judges, raise them up a little higher, you can see better. That's why at home, the viewers get a better view of the fight, the punches that are being landed, compared to the judges live, like in tennis. You got the umpires, the referees on tennis, they're sitting up high, looking down, and they can see the lines better. Otherwise, they would have had them on the low level. So I said, in boxing, if they would have raised them up from the beginning, they can see you know, the punches landing. Ring Magazine, I asked him to give me a little column on it. The guy looked, loved my idea, he said, John, is the most simplest but most ingenious idea I've ever seen. I said, this is amazing. He gave me four pages and I proved it with photos from the punches that are taken from the different angles from here and a, and a photo from up here, how here you can see two punch, two fighters are landing down here. All you see is the back of a fighter. So it, it was simple, but uh, people said, no, the judges, you know, they, whatever you put up, they're gonna interfere with the view of the fans. I told him, create a, an acrylic type of a, a chair, like an empire in tennis, make it acrylic, where it would not interfere with the views of the, of the fans, but they wouldn't complain. Mauricio Suleiman, the president of World Boxing Council, said, Joe, I, li I like the concept. We're gonna do it in Mexico. We're gonna start with the preliminary fights, and we'll do the acrylic chair to see how that goes. I'm still waiting for that to happen. When is that in Mexico, when? Well, that, that was last year. But they didn't do the, it? No, nothing yet. But I guess people are still a little hesitant. So let me ask you to this. make so changes. So you do agree that even yourself, when the fans say, "I don't think the decision," I I don't agree with the decision. You also agree that they have to make some changes, or else they're not getting the right judging being done today. Exactly. I still think that I've been in boxing so long. I, I think I think out the box. A lot of folks just don't don't think that way. I've been in in, the, in boxing so long. I, I looked to see. I leave those stones unturned when it comes to anything for the betterment of the sport. So I'm always looking to see what can I do to improve. And that's one area that they need some help. I would say, I know the judges. I know that they're not corrupt. I know they're not on the take. It's just that where they're sitting, the position is not the, where they should be sitting. They, they sat them there from the beginning when they first started boxing over 100 years ago. They put him in their own position. They should have been up higher, not down here. It's very hard to trust the fight, to trust the sport. Well, it's because you can't, you can't score what you yeah. don't see. As a fan, you know, when you watch basketball, what happens? Hey, here's a score, here's how it ends, here's what happened, great. Football, very simple, these are the rules, this is what you're doing. And now they're doing instant replay, you know, the whole thing that they added with instant replay. So was this a PI? Did he step in? Like recently there was a game with yeah. the Cowboys. Right. The receiver comes down, gets the ball, and they called it. Yeah, it is a touchdown. Initially, they didn't call it a touchdown, and then they end up winning the game. And so I think the boxing side, I don't know, when I watch it, every single time I watch it, literally every single time I watch the boxing match, I think about that today. Well, every time. I, I don't know if I trust it. Well, I think they had, until they change the position of the judges, then you're going to start saying, what? There is a di big difference now. Now you're going to see as many controversies. What other fight. changes do you think they need to make? You said there's well, a few well, things. Well, well more train, better training for the, for the judges and for the referees. If you don't work that often, you don't stay sharp. Yeah. You got to be working on, on a regular basis. You can't work once every two, every uh, three or six months. You gotta work like almost every month, like they do in Vegas. The least amount of judges you have, the more they're gonna work. Some states they have 25, 30 judges. You're not a fan of that. You know, no. I think that the least you have, the more they're gonna work. But everybody wants to get a license to be a judge or a referee. New York has over 30 judges, and uh, I don't know about 20 some are referees. Is it pay well? Is it? Is it no, it's not that pay well. I mean, it's not a, a good paying job. I mean, the most you're gonna make for a Mayweather. Pacquiao fight, the most you're gonna make is probably $20,000. That's not big money compared to the hundreds of millions that you guys are making, you know, so, and the smaller- For a big fight. Yeah, and for a small right. fight, if you make three or $4,000, is a lot. Preliminary fights, you're lucky if you make a couple of hundred dollars. Get out of here. Yeah, for small fights, you know. Yeah, four, wow, four that's- Four and six. Yeah, so- How about referees? Are referees making money? No, no, I'm saying no, no, there's no, there's no money to be no made. No referee that. or judges, no, there's no, no money. No, no, no big money. Like so why I, are they becoming judges? Is it just more they, the- They do it because of the love of the sport. The love of the game, yeah. yeah. And you can't stop, I mean, there's nothing you can do about the love of the yeah. game. I respect the love of the it's game. It's not like NFL, uh, Major League yeah, Baseball, NBA. Yeah, they're making money, uh, those NBA, guys are making money. They get pensions and all that, boxing, you're an independent no. contractor. You're like nothing, they don't take care of you the way they should. Are you a fan today? Are you? Do you look at it like a fan today or are you still looking at it as an analyst? I know you're an analyst, I, you're 
ESPN. I'm a basket analyst, but of course, I've been trained so many years to be neutral. So I look at things very neutral. But still, till today, is still I, neutral. I, I, so I try to be neutral, but I, I also I use a, a lot of common sense, and I look at things a little different than a regular fan. I mean, I see things that you may, you and I be looking at uh, two, two fighters, and you may see that they're equal. I can see right off the back that fighter B doesn't, it's not even close to the fighter A, as far as technique, skills, or whatever. I, I can see who's got the skill, who's going to make it. So who do you think is overly promoted that's not as good as people make them out to be? Anybody out there? Not, right now, there's a bunch of fighters that are coming up that haven't proved themselves, like Anthony Joshua, heavyweight champion from... Uh, United Kingdom. You think he's a real deal? Yeah, I don't know yet. You know, I want to see him against uh, Deontay Wilder. Then I could tell you that he's a real deal. People are already compare him to Muhammad Ali. Come on. You know, the guy is not, he's not a household name yet in the States yet. How do you compare him to Muhammad Ali? You know, he's got potentials, but I don't think he's ready at the level. Not at that level yet. Do you watch UFC as well or not at all? Not, not much. No, not at all. Do you follow any of it? Like N Not really. Not really. No, really? No, I'm not really an MMA guy. So you're more the art than you are about the, yeah, the yeah. actual... Yeah. You know, two men or yeah, women I try, I try, to, I try to pick up a little because I, when I trained Conor McGregor for the Mayweather fight, I got a little bit more into it and I went to a couple of events to watch and see how it was. It's okay, you know, but it, it, they need a lot of work to be done there. doesn't do it for you? No, not yet. Really? It's not, it's not, I've been a boxing man all my life, so it's hard for me to... to I, I kind of like it to some extent, but I see that they still have so much more to learn as far as being skillful in it's the gonna, ring. It's going to be interesting. Things got really serious with De La Hoya and Dana White. It seems like it got pretty serious. I, I, I like to see De La Hoya getting a little bit involved with the MMA. You would? I would like to see Tell that happen. Why, why would you want because that? Because there's, a, there's a, the new generation, there's a big following there. So you're going to have a bigger captive, you're going to have a good captive audience. Huh. And you can have MMA and boxing on the same cards. And, you know, you, people say there's a lot of MMA fans that see these fighters. They didn't know. They're the younger generation. They get hooked on, on, on fighters like You're uh, saying cross-pollinating together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not saying that De La Hoya go and stay no, no. golden boy and start his own... Uh, oh, no, uh, that would be good. Against uh, MMA, against yeah. UFC. Why not? Why not? So you, you would want that. Yeah, I, I can I can see if he if he did so well in boxing, yeah, De why not try MMA? It's something that's competitive. I mean he likes challenges. You had the World Boxing Council, then you had the the World Boxing Association, then you had the International Boxing Federation, then you had the World Boxing Organization, four major sanctioning bodies that are out there. Doesn't mean because you have one brand of UFC out there, doesn't mean that that you somebody cannot come in and start their own. Why not? The the more the better. You can let them compete. Who's going to compete best, De La Hoya or Dana White? Who do you think? I think uh, Dana White is doing good for himself. He's been established already. But Oscar De La Hoya has a big following in boxing. And he could turn, cross over and draw a lot of fans into uh, uh, MMA just because Oscar De La Hoya is involved. So you think De La Hoya can do more pulling from boxing to MMA than Dana White can do from MMA to, from UFC to boxing? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, because Oscar De La Hoya has a bigger following, has a big, more big, bigger name. He has a lot of credentials behind because he's been in, in there himself. Dana White has never competed. So are we going to see the end of this or is this, is this uh, feud going to continue? between Dana White and De La Hoya? I think it'll continue, you know? I think it's gonna be good. I mean, why not? It's gonna keep the game alive. It's gonna keep uh, a lot of people wondering, why not? Should they, shouldn't they? You know, it'll be great. I'm actually very curious to see what's gonna take place. I'm very curious to see what's gonna take place. So I can tell you, when I do like, when I wanna invite people over to the house, if I see which one gets more draw of people wanting to see it, more people wanna see UFC than they wanna see boxing. The younger generation, you're gonna get that with the younger generation. The more- Maybe, maybe that's the right. Baby boomers or middle-aged, they, they, they They're more interested more, in more boxing. boxing. Yeah. So, that, that, so if that's they, what you're saying, then that means eventually boxing is gonna go away. Not gonna go away. But Bo if it's boxing the generation, never go away. new generation is coming up. But that's why Oscar De La Hoya is going both ways because you know he said he feels that he got to try to educate the MMA fans that we got it in boxing as well. Yeah, but then the other side, they come back and they'll say things like, "If there was a street fight, there's not a single boxer that could hang with a UFC fighter." Well, what look, do you think when, when well, they say look, that? Look, look, what happened with McGregor when he fought? Mayweather. Yeah, but you think Mayweather could hang in the UFC ring? With kicks? I don't know. <laughs> with kicks, yeah. Because yeah. that's what takes it, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You see some of these kicks. Even this last fight with uh, John Jones, he was having this fight with Gustafsson, yeah. and he was kicking, and then all of a sudden, he was done. I don't know if you saw that fight or yeah. not. Yeah, I saw the highlights. Yeah, those kicks are what changes the game. Half the time you watch these guys fighting and boxing, no one's getting kicked, so it's a lot safer. I know Mayweather was saying, toying with the idea of, yeah, I'm going to go in UFC and I'm going to do this. I don't see that ever happening without certain rules that he'll create. Well, there was a rule when he fought the Japanese kid the other day. If the Japanese kid, uh, a fighter would have kicked Mayweather, he would have gotten fined $5 million.
If he would have kicked, it would have gone five million, fine five million dollars. Yeah, that's, that's what the, supposedly that's on the contract. That's how I think if Mayweather ever does something, he'll get in there. Remember how early I asked you a question? I said, "What do you think were some of the uh, uh, you know ideas or figures or names that changed the world of boxing and brought more eyeballs to it?" Right? You said Duran. You said Oscar De La Hoya. You said you Sugar said somebody, Ray Robinson. Robinson. You said Sugar Ray Robinson. That brought a lot of eyeballs to it. Do you think boxing needs somebody that brings and inspires people to be like, oh my gosh, like we have two heavyweight mat, two people going against each other? Because it's almost as if Holyfield needed time as Tyson as much as he needed. It's almost as if what made the heavyweight exciting back in the days is Ali needed Frazier, Frazier needed Ken Norton. These guys were like all needing. Do you think the fact that there isn't real competition today, people are like, I don't really care to watch boxing. Who's really gonna beat any of these guys? They're all boring when I watch them. You think that's what's missing today? Yeah, exactly. That's what you know. The golden era of boxing was when you had Ken Norton, Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes. You had so many great heavyweights out there, Joe Frazier. They called Muhammad Ali, said he was one of the greatest, but you cannot be the greatest unless you fought somebody that was really, you need a good dance partner. You just can't make it on your own. You become great because of the competitive competition you had. So Ali was great because he, when he fought Joe Frazier, the, the trilogies that they had. And you talk about Reddick Bowe, Evander Holyfield, those three fights that they had, of which I referee the first and the third. Those are great fights. Legit fights. You know, yeah, yeah. And you know, you got uh, Manny Pacquiao who fought one minute Marquez. They fought four times. I remember I refereed the first one where Marquez went down three times in the first round. Any referee on this planet would have stopped it. I saw something in Marquez. I let it continue. Had I stopped it, they never would have had fight two, three, and four. So I gave him a chance and he came back and got a draw in that fight. And they made a couple of hundred yeah. million dollars because I didn't stop the first fight. Because you didn't stop the first fight. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, but, but you know, fighters out there, you only become great when you fight another great fighter. That's what I'm saying. And by the way, I was at the last Marquez fight with uh, Pacquiao sitting next to Pacquiao's wife and his family. Right. And when you saw that punch, you thought the guy was, I mean, you dead. He, he was down. You thought he was dead. 30 seconds, he was yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Wife was in tears crying. Very interesting. It was. I think the same goes with baseball. I don't know if you're a baseball goer. Now. If you're Puerto Rican, I know Puerto Ricans a lot of times are in baseball. Did you follow a lot of baseball coming yeah. upward? Yes, I did. So, you know, Juan Gonzalez was my favorite player. Juan Gonzalez was a Puerto Rican player okay. coming up. But when Major League Baseball went through a strike, in the middle of the 90s, baseball was dying. Stadiums were empty. Nothing really was taking place. And then one season, 98, McGuire and Sammy Sosa went back and forth. Right. They brought the whole thing back, and everybody wanted to see baseball again. Yeah, the home run kings. The whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was they, in the they, Army they, when they, that took place. Yeah, they wanted, they wanted to break Roger, Roger, Roger Maris from the Yankees. Yeah, they wanted to break his record. And, yeah, and, 60 uh, home runs. 61. Babe Ruth had 60. He had 61. And then I think Sosa had 66 that year, and McGuire yeah. hit 70 or something like that. Right, right. Wasn't there a controversy about of course. drug enhancement? Yeah, of course, for both of them. But, you yeah. know. They saved the game. They yeah. saved baseball. And then eyeballs came back on again, and people started following baseball again. But I think boxing needs that, and I don't think it has it today. Well, it's, it's coming back. You know, it's coming back. You have a lot of good young fighters that are coming up. What's the biggest uh, matchup right now, weight class, that has a lot of talent that are even playing field? That well, some, yeah, you had the middleweight division uh, and the welterweight division. The welterweight division, you have Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Earl Spence, so many young Waltzways out there in the top six. You got Manny Pacquiao still in the mix. And he's fighting Adrian Manny Broner. Uh, yeah, he's still fighting Adrian Broner. So Manny Pacquiao is still, the name, the name is still there. I mean, everybody wants to fight Manny Pacquiao because they got to make a good paycheck. But Manny Pacquiao was supposed to lose his last fight. He ended up no knocking out Lucas Batiste from Argentina. Nobody thought that was going to happen, including myself. I thought Matisse was going to stop Manny Pacquiao. It was the other way Surprising around. Surprising when that happened, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, Manny Pacquiao uh, at his peak versus Mayweather at his peak. Who wins? Peak. At peak? Well, you know, Mayweather, a very good defensive fighter. Pacquiao has some good skills, but uh, he a little wide with his punches. So you still he, give it to Mayweather? Yeah, Mayweather. Yeah, he would, Mayweather would capitalize on the openings when he, Mayweather's an excellent counterpuncher. I think Mayweather still would have won at the, at the peak. You know how earlier we were talking about people are getting into bad habits, drugs, and all that stuff? He said, yes, it's very common. I said, why do you think that is? And he said, because of education, experience, all that other stuff. Who are some of the names in the world of boxing that behind closed doors if they get a hold of a boxer, good things happens with them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, he is working closely with such and such. He is working close because, you know, when Tyson, his mentor, passed away, then all of a sudden he was a complete different guy. Like, wait a minute, I saw an emotionally stable human being. All of a sudden, who is this Mike Tyson? Yeah. Everything changed. 
Who are a handful of names that were very good behind closed doors to develop leaders and build them up? Back in the old days, you know, there was a lot of mentorship. I mean, the trainers were had to play the role, not only of a trainer, but a role of a father. Try to keep these fighters on the right track. A lot of fighters, you have to be humble. And once you start changing, once you start making the money, a big group of individuals start following you, and those are the ones that start taking you to parties. It's not introduced to these beautiful girls. Before then, you know, these girls probably set up set them up with these guys to try to get them to drink something. And to, before you know it, they put something in their drink. Before you know it, they're, they're on some kind of a drug. They're not, they're addicted to a drug, which is something very common, even individuals not, not into sports. It's happening a lot today, these days. There's a movie called Chasing the Dragon. It's about drug addiction. And once you start doing a drug, sometimes even the first time you, you get addicted to it, and you're stuck, and you can't get out of it. And that happens to a lot, a lot of these fighters. Either the alcohol, or the combination of alcohol and drugs, Mike Tyson was one of those. Even Oscar De La Hoya, he admitted himself, he'd been in rehab. Oh yeah, he did, he, yeah. And he, he's gotten it, trying to get his life together. And I respect him for that, because I believe in second chances. And Oscar De La Hoya is, is I, I love him, he's a good man. You know, I, I really think he's somebody that's very special for the sport. But you got other fighters that, that don't have the luxury of having somebody that can help you. Uh, Oscar, thank God he has, he's financially fit where he can support his, his care to keep him on the right track. And of course, once you're addicted to something, you have to maintain, it's like the AA. You gotta keep going to these meetings and keep yourself something always focus because that if you fall off track, you're gonna go back into those bad habits again. So drug addiction is something that, that can hurt anybody from all walks of life. So who are good people? Who are good mentors in the boxing world today? Well, you need, you need uh, good trainers. You got uh, Robert Garcia, who's uh, Mikey Garcia's brother. Mm -hmm. he's, well, he's a good one. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of good trainers out there. Freddie Roach was another good one. And there's uh, tons of out there of individuals that train fighters, but you need a good management team. I let this Devin Haney, the fighter I'm talking to you about that I'm helping mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. as a consultant. He's 18 and over. 19 he's 18 and over, yeah. 19 years of age. And his father, Bill Haney, is a, is, is a father, he's a trainer, along with Floyd Mayweather Sr. And these guys keep try to keep their son in check. What are you teaching them though? What are you saying to them? He, what, you're I, in the world. What I, is talk, being I talk to him myself and I tell him, Devin, you're going to go places in Boston, you're probably going to be one of the better ones. Keep yourself humble. Don't get cocky. Watch out with the drugs, watch out with the girls, the people you hang around with, because they're the ones that are going to bring you down. So I try to give them good advice. I say, you know, I did it myself. I come from a single parent uh, home, and I maintain myself on the right track by knowing that if I kept myself on the right track, it was a chance for me making it as a world champion. I didn't make it in boxing as a world champion, but I said, you can at least make it like I did. I became a world champion in life. And that's because I did the right things. Always stayed the right way. What do you mean by the girls? So talk about the girls. Girls, well, girls, you know, the beautiful girls, you know, you're young and your hormones kicked in and mm -hmm. now you got money and, and you got to go. How do you tell them to control it though? How do you it, it's going to be hard, but you know, you have to tell them, you know, you have 10 good years of boxing and you want to get yourself a girlfriend. You can't stop somebody from having a girlfriend or get married, you know, but do it, do it the right way. You know, keep yourself focused and don't, don't let yourself go on the wrong track because if you stay on the right track with a beautiful young lady that you have Sean Porter got married a couple of years ago and he was single up until he was about 28 years old but he kept himself on the right track finally got a nice young lady and they got married recently they have a little baby and there's uh, and I talked to him I was also advising him with his team he's a world champion right now uh, 147 and uh, I think Sean Porter is one of the toughest ones in the welterweight division but it's focusing they have to be focused and not only in boxing but in all walks of life if you want to be somebody special you got to maintain your composure and learn to be humble and yes always be focused knowing that just because you have money doesn't mean that you can control the world doesn't mean that, that you're going to let your guards down you have to maintain yourself in the a, in a right way so you can say I got to keep focused so I can keep growing if I change my, my pace, I'm gonna fall apart. You have to have a good, solid foundation so that you can build off of it. How did you emotionally stay in place? Me, I, I've always been a humble and I always wanna help people out. And I know by helping people out, I have to be a role model. And I have to try to, not only in boxing, but I could talk to people from all over the world. I've been with three presidents, talking one-on-one -on -one like you and I are talking mm -hmm. right now. I've been blessed with so many things in life. I have three beautiful daughters. I've been married for 53 years. And I always keep, try to keep myself on the right track by having a, a good heart and always giving, pay, paying it forward. And it's not like you've had, I mean, you've had some challenges you face with your daughter yeah. when she went through, and you guys call your daughter your 
the undisputed uh, champion, right? Exactly. So uh, why don't you talk about what happened with Well, she dog? was involved in a car accident 21 years ago. She ended up quadriplegic. She was in a car accident with my wife, Sylvia. You know, one of the things that uh, that happened to her, and, and you know, to this day, she still says, Dad, don't worry about me, I'm okay. She gets in her car every day. She goes to the gym five days a week. She works out. She, she's the most beautiful young lady you will see. I took her recently to meet uh, J-Lo. She's a big fan, and I know J-Lo. Cool. And my daughter is really, she's focused 100%. You know, we, we're keeping our family together. We all live in Vegas. And you're still with your wife. You're so still my wife, my wife, and I work with ESPN as a boxing analyst. I have a show, A Fair But Firm, on Facebook. That's every Monday. I have our talk show, and I, I do the Joe Cortez show on Tuesday, a variety type of show, a show that I want to try to put together in Vegas on, on local TV. By the way, how'd you come up with the Fairbot Firm? I was doing an interview like we're doing right now, and I was watching it. The gentleman asked me, Joe, what does it take to be a, a good referee? I said, well, you have to be fair with the fighters, but by the same token, you have to be firm to take control. So when I saw the interview, I said, fair, but firm. Huh. I'm going to try that. And, and it stuck. Yeah, I'm fair but firm. I even saw, I think George Foreman said, you know one thing about Joe is he's, he's fair, fair but firm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I became a branding for you. Yeah. Last series here. So the last thing we do is we call this a speed round. I'll give you a name and tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. okay? Give you a name and you tell me what comes to your mind. Dana White. Dana White. MMA is good for the sport of MMA. Done a lot for the sport and the new generation is definitely following UFC. Tyson. Tyson, the most devastating puncher in the history of boxing. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, surprising defense, offense, surprised me, and I, I think he has potentials to go a, a long way to the heavyweight division. Pauli Malignaghi. He was a good fighter from Brooklyn, New York, Italian descent, skillful fighter, put a lot to boxing, Golden Glove champion. He's a good commentator for Showtime. Don King. Don King, Mr. Don King with all the hair, uh, something like mine, and uh, he was he one of the best promoters in boxing, and Muhammad Ali's. Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, up-and-coming great uh, British heavyweight champion, WBA, IBF, and WBO champion. So he's uh, somebody to reckon with in the heavyweight division. Khabib. Khabib, MMA. He surprised McGregor by stopping him. He has a great career in MMA. George Foster. George Foster. He beat me back in 1963. Six-round fight in Madison Square Garden. A decision that was kind of close. But I accept the, the defeat. You guys friends still? You, 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 I, I never spoken to him. I'm looking for him. I want a rematch. Never. <laughs> You've never spoken to him after that? No, I never saw him. Wow, that's him. interesting. Yeah. Triple G. Triple G is one of the toughest uh, middleweight champions up until he fought Canelo Alvarez. He's seen his better days. He brought a lot to boxing. I like to see him fight uh, Canelo Alvarez to settle the score with the rubber uh, rematch. What do you think wins? I think Canelo will beat him. Again. Easier. Okay. The third time. Canelo? What do you say about Canelo? Canelo Alvarez was well, a superstar in boxing today. He brings a lot to boxing. He has a good promotional team behind him, Oscar De La Hoya. And I think Canelo is uh, somebody to reckon with for the next couple of years. I'll leave it at that. I love that. I love the commentary, the stories, uh, the experiences you've had. You know, it's always great to sit down with somebody who has gone to the top of their field, no matter what that field is. It doesn't, I don't care what industry you're in, it's not easy to go to the top of any field and be called the international, being invited to be in the International Hall of Fame of Boxing. That's a very big deal to be a part of. And I appreciate you coming out and being a guest today. By the way, are you on Twitter or on Instagram? Are you active yes. on social? Which yes. Are you more on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Okay. Send us a tweet. Let us know what you took away from it. And any questions you got for him, send a question to him on Twitter. Again, thank you so much for coming thank out. You, thank you very much. Get somebody it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid-David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.